everybody, welcome back to the bookshelf uh, with Vessel of Honor Ministries. I'm Stephen McKay. I'm Dalton Claghorn. And uh, we, this is a new initiative. And the last two episodes, we uh, have brought to you the, uh, just the first part of the Gospel of John. And this is going to conclude our uh, discussion through you know, just certain parts of the Gospel of John uh, that a lot of times we just skim over when we're reading through. We don't really you know, take the time to extract and uh, you know, look at the prologue and the epilogue and uh, look at really what's in the Gospel of John. And we talked first of Ch- uh, uh, John chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 18, and we actually read those as we went through the first episode and second episode. Um, but we're going to get into a little bit more, a little deeper of what is in the Gospel of John outside of Dalton. We went over the um, uh, three things. If you want to recap, we went over three things uh, in the last episode, or in the last two episodes. The first one was? Yeah, so in the prologue, you've got verses 1 through 18, and there's three uh, unique and um, only found in the book of John ways that Jesus is expressed in the book of John, specifically in the prologue. So just in the prologue, verses 1 through 18, you have Jesus as the essence, as the word. Mm -hmm. You have Jesus as the expression to the world. And you have Jesus as the exposition of the word. Three um, avenues of viewing Jesus and and who he was in John that are just completely unique to John. I really hope that as we, you know, just breaking this open... Um, this gives you or whets your appetite to, to study the Word because it's, you know, so often we read and we just, you know, in our devotion, our time of reading, we'll pick a book and just start reading through and we don't do much, we don't give much effort in, uh, you know, just breaking it down verse by verse and um, looking at what, what's really there. But um, out of that epilogue, or uh, besides that epilogue, we find that the book of John records the ministry of Jesus uh, from writing of the events that occurred in three festivals. What are those festivals called? Well, so each one of these festivals <coughs> took place over the course of a weekend. So the book of John, really, if you want to call it, that is uh, the ministry of Jesus over three weekends. And um, those uh, festivals that took place on the weekends are the Feast of Passover, uh, the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Feast of Dedication. And, and I hope, like, in the future, um, if you guys are really in, enjoying this, we would like to talk about what that fast, Passover feast was, or past, Passover, Passover. <laughs> what that Passover feast uh, was, and the Feast of Tabernacles, or booths, as it says in the Old Testament, and that Feast of Dedication, because each one of those feasts were um, significant parts of Israel's history. Yeah. But um, those took place in Jerusalem. Um, the Synoptic Gospels highlighted Jesus in Galilee. Pretty much. Jesus in Galilee. So this is Jesus over the course of three weekends. Jesus from the guy that knew him more intimately than anyone else. Uh, Jesus expressed in John in language that is much simpler than the other Gospels. Right. Jesus in Jerusalem instead of Galilee. Uh, the Gospel of John is remarkably unique. Oh, it's, it's, uh, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, whenever anybody gets born again, um, if you come to that point of decision of, of Christ, we always recommend to begin reading the book of John uh, because it just gives that intimate side of Christ and what he's done for your life. And John, I, I tell people to start in Ezekiel. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just Really, kidding. actually Leviticus. I would yeah, like for you to start understand in Leviticus. the... Uh, the, the lineages, you yeah. know, read, read through the lineages, but, <laughs> or, or even the law. But, um, so John is just such an intimate um, 
uh, as Dalton said, you know, that one that lent on Jesus' bosom and, um, uh, you know, being so very close to him, <laughs> Coca-Cola commercial. But I mean, just being so close to, uh, to Christ, he was able to present uh, a different side of him. And when, you, when we talk about synoptic gospels, to just kind of give you an understanding, the synoptic gospels are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Uh, that's what, we call, that's what are, is termed or coined the synoptic gospels. They are very much alike. This gospel is, uh, is just different because it comes from a perspective of just intimacy with Christ. So in yeah. this um, gospel of John, what do we find, Alt? So what we have from Jesus is in all of the gospels, Jesus performs miracles. But uh, what is interesting about the gospel of John is that Jesus performs seven Miracles, which if you're keen on symbolism, you would know that's yeah. um, significant. But number of perfection. Uh, Jesus turns water into wine he heal- in chapter 2. He heals the nobleman's son in chapter 4. He heals the infirmed man in chapter 5. He feeds the 5,000 in chapter 6. He walks on water in chapter 6. He heals the blind man in chapter 9. He raises Lazarus in chapter 11. But uh, he also does something else. So those were me- uh, miraculous signs of Christ. But then there's also... Um, seven messianic claims of Christ and their correlation. So Jesus claims to be Messiah. Seven times. And, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, when you think about, I actually just did a study on, on this um, uh, in a previous teaching we do here on Tuesday nights. And um, it, it's really interesting to see Christ claiming to be Messiah and the things that had to line up for, for that to be so. And in this Gospel of John, we have seven messianic claims. And seven miraculous signs. And seven miraculous signs. And three of which... Yes, so there's seven messianic claims and seven messianic signs. And three of them... Yeah, seven miraculous signs. And three of the claims and signs actually uh, were married to each other. Yeah, you'll see that, that by doing one it actually performed or fulfilled yeah. the other. So, so the Jesus, one, Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, and then what does he do? So, I just think about this. Jesus, as Dalton just said, the first messianic claim, he said, I am the bread of life. I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament law. I am what will basically give nourishment to your soul. And then he feeds 5,000. 5,000. He so, says, I'm the bread of life, and then he feeds 5,000 people. That's the first correlation. Yep, they both are married together. You know, he feeds 5,000, but he's yet the bread of life. The second one was he said, I am the light of the world. And so he heals a blind man. Isn't that incredible? You know, I'm the light of the world. And in that moment, um, he goes and touches that part of the human body that is incorrectable. You, you know, sight is something that you, you either have it or you do not have it. Doctors have, um, you know, just for, for years tried to figure out how to heal the eye. And uh, whereas, you know, that being impossible, but Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And he went and touched that natural part of the man that could not be corrected by any, by any other form of uh, physician or any, any, and that's really parallel to salvation. I am the light of the world. And uh, he heals that which could not be healed. And the third one was, I am the door of the sheep. And I was just telling Dalton about, you know, that, that picture of Christ as the door. This is not a correlation of the messianic claim and miraculous sign, but it's just interesting. And I, hopefully in the future, we'll be able to just break this down. But being the door of the sheep, um, uh, a shepherd in ancient times, and possibly even today, I, I don't really know. 
But in ancient times, it was said that a shepherd would, uh, when he was out there in the field, would set briars all the way around the sheep, and uh, he would leave a spot open for himself to lay in as they would sleep at night. And all the sheep would be in the sheepfolds, what they'd call the sheepfold, and that shepherd would literally be the door. And the only way that, the, that the, any enemy could get through was to get through or get past the shepherd. And it's just, you know, these imagery, this imagery or uh, um, this symbolism of what Christ is saying, I am the door of the sheep. Ain't nobody going to be able to get at you, right? But then the fourth, the fourth one was, I am the good shepherd. I'm the good shepherd. Yeah. Uh, and I was then, looking at the wrong paragraph there. I was about to say, I am the feeding of the 5,000. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then he goes into the fifth one, because this one correlates to uh, one of his messianic claims and his yep. miraculous so sign. So first messianic claim that correlates to the sign, he says, I am the bread of life, and he feeds 5,000 people. Mm -hmm. Second correlation, he says, I am the light of the world. He heals a blind man, and he, he gives the blind man illumination. The third one, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And to prove it. And he raises Lazarus from the dead. I mean, you know, these are things that when people, I want you to imagine sitting under Christ's ministry uh, as he walked on the earth in flesh, and he's making all these claims. He's claiming to be the Son of God. He's claiming that, you know, he, like I said, I'm the light of the world. I'm the bread of life. Um, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. At this point in history, there had never been anybody raised from the dead apart from, um, uh, I think it was one of the prophets in the Old Testament when his Bone, when a dead man was thrown on his bones, he came back to life. There's, there's very little uh, ever even talked about resurrection. But here Christ said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And to prove it, can you imagine being there? I mean, can you, can you imagine standing at that tomb with Jesus as he's speaking to uh, uh, his people, roll the stone, and you know the whole story, and he speaks to Lazarus, and he literally raises Lazarus from the dead to prove all of these claims, it's one thing to say, I'm the resurrection and the life. It's another thing to, to actually be able to perform the, the, or to have the power of resurrection in, in his words. And uh, I can just imagine what was going on. Yeah, and you know, one, one thing worth noting is even the dead man that was uh, or thrown on the bones of Elijah, he actually wasn't even resurrected. Right. He was resuscitated. And so the difference between Jesus and every other thing that you can think of in, in terms of a human coming back to life. In all of those instances where a human comes back to life, it's not actually a resurrection, it's just a momentary resuscitation. Because in years later, they're going to die again. Right. Oh yeah. That's and right. so what made Jesus different is he claims, I am the resurrection. And so he resuscitates Lazarus. Lazarus has to die again someday. Right. But Jesus only died once. That's it. And so instead of just merely being resuscitated, when Jesus willingly laid down his right. life, he was the only one to actually ever truly come back from the dead, mm -hmm. beat and, it, and, and then stay that and way. And remain eternally yeah. alive. It was yeah. a actual resurrection, not a resuscitation. If Jesus would have said, I'm the resuscitation, we can just pack it up and go home. <laughs> That's right. But he was the one that actually um, was the, the, the embodiment of resurrection. And then the sixth one, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we can spend a lot of time right here, but we won't because that's another, that's, this be another episode. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Three things that Jesus claims to be is the road, the truth, mm. and the, the actual living of uh, of. of a, a Christian. Yeah. But then the seventh yeah. one? Every other way is the wrong way. Every other truth is a lie. And every, other, no other, <laughs> and every other life is death. Yeah, exactly. Outside of Christ. Um, there's just so much that, you know, when you begin to break down the Word, there's so much 
that is that we are able to present uh, that all of us we should be in our in the word just digging this stuff up um, the seventh one he said I am the true vine I am that living vine that you are grafted into. And so Christianity is defined in the book of John as? Um, a book, a person, and an experience. So when you look at the gospel of John, it, Jesus is presented here. As the word. As the word and of God. And the word became flesh. And, and then the that dwelt among us. Dwelt amongst us. Yeah, so, so it's a Jesus, book. a book, a person, and an experience. That's, that's what it is. If any one of these things are removed, the system either dies or becomes too liberal. So you have to have all three of these. Mm. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is that truth embodied in this text. He is a, a living person, as we said in the last episode. Truth be, was not lovable until it was incarnate in a human body. And then that experience of that life is... Um, it's not just, this is the difference between, uh, you know, a lot of uh, orthodox religion, mm. you know, Dalton, a lot of it is just creedal uh, adherence. You know, we just um, uh, go to a church, become a member of a church, or maybe just, you know, some form of religion, and it's just um, an act, an action that we uh, fulfill on a certain day of the week, but this is not that. It's not a, um, as, I guess kind of compared to, you know, the religion of the Sanhedrin or of the Pharisee or the Sadducee. It wasn't just something that they knew in their head. It was some, Jesus was something to be, to experience. Mm. You know, it's like having a, a personal relationship with, uh, with God himself. Yeah. And so it's a book, a person, an experience. If there's no book, then there's no letter, and there's no standard by which to be able to have your Christianity. There's no uh, understood, written basis for what it is that is the law. If there's no book, the system becomes liberal. If there's no person, then there's no authentic relationship between man and God. So if there's no book, there's no law. If there's no person, there's no relationship. And if there's no experience, it's dead and it's dry. Mm -hmm. So in order for Christianity to, co to cohesively be a complete system for man, there had to be a book, a person, a person. and an experience, an experience, all incarnate in one triune God. Yeah, it's, uh, it's man, I just love the Word of God. I just, I just love how, you know, there's, um, years ago I read where, um, I'm trying to remember who the author was, but he said that when you pass light through a prism, pure light, it fracks, it refracts into like multiple colors. And it's the same thing when you look at Christ, you know, it's this viewpoint of John is just one of those colors. And then you go through the rest of the word of God and it's multifaceted, pure light is not just one thing, it's, more, it's many light, many colors of light may, that make up pure light. And it's the same thing with Christ. There's so much to look at and uh, to, to dissect, and um, it just makes Jesus so much, just so, so attractive. But Dalton, I want us to look at um, this passage that the Word was with God. Yes. Let's, let's go there. The Word was with, because we looked at, in the beginning was the Word, and that spoke of God's eternality and preexistence in our past, one of, uh, one of our past episodes. Uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yeah. Let's talk about the Word for just yeah. the next few moments. The Word was with God. Yeah, so here you actually have um, one of the greatest, uh, other than 2 Corinthians, which we'll get to in a minute, this verse is probably the greatest evidence um, that anything outside of the Trinity is heresy. Mm, <laughs> and and so, <laughs> the Word was with 
God. Okay, well, the word with is the Greek word pros, P-R-O-S-S. And in regards to the Father and Son, the word pros literally means having equity, equality, and distinguishable personality from. So this means when it says the word was with God, when it says Jesus was with God, it means Jesus was equitable to God, equal, equal. to God, but yet distinguishable from God. Right. So at the, at the very foundation of the introduction of the theology of Christ, at the bare minimum, you have the existence of two gods that are one. Right. At the very minimum, yeah, because the Spirit is not listed here yet. No. The word being Christ was with God, and it's very important for equal us to Equal to God. Yeah, think about this. It's important for us to understand and see that uh, it's not just, he was not just a God, and we're mm. going to get into that. And he was not just God at a time. No, he was not. Yeah, exactly. It was, and that's, there's a lot of heresy that is surrounded by, um, you know, the oneness doctrine. And actually, I've, I've recently come to discover there's a doctrine out there that believes in the duality of God, you know, two gods, but not the three personalities of mm. the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Here we see with God, having equity, equality, and, but yet separate, distinct personalities. Yeah. And the word equity is a very, I think, specifically um, concise usage of the word, because how can one have equity in God as a person, equity in the kingdom of God, unless he himself be worthy and equal to God? And so it's this idea that they are one and the same, yet they're distinguishable, but there is no room to doubt the fact that Jesus himself is God because he quite literally has equity in God's kingdom. And uh, the, the next thing, we kind of got to get to this for the yes, sake of time. Yes, we are. We are. Man, this, this, this 20 minutes goes so fast. <laughs> the Bible says the Word was God. There we go. And so... The Word was with God the and word the Word was, was God. God. So what do you do? What do you do with that? The word was with God, but yet the word was God. So there, there again proves the distinguishable part of, you know, at least two. We see the word was with him, but the word also was him. So we have that, you know, a separation of, of, of the two. Yeah. And so we have in English, uh, do you speak English? And in Greek, sometimes, what is called a definite article. Sometimes I don't understand. And a definite article would be the difference between I have a phone and I have the phone. The phone, yeah. And you hear those lovely pages ruffling? This is, this is beautiful. Man. The pages. Definite article is the, okay, so the word was God. Now, the Greek does not put a definite article before the word God. It says the word was God. And so Jehovah's Witnesses try to say that this means that the word was a God, but because there's no definite article saying that it was the God, mm. therefore he's not the God. The word was a God, not the God. That's what they try to say. And Did you follow that? <laughs> say that again. The Jehovah's Witnesses say, well, by claiming that the word was God, and by not specifically claiming that the word was the God, it's not definite just... enough to prove that Jesus is God. Mm. Mm. So the problem is, though, if a definite article went where they want it, it would destroy the idea of the Trinity because then the Bible would be saying that the Word is God and God alone, not God expressed in a triune person. Mm -hmm. So the Greek phrase for the Word was God is Thanos ein Helagos. Okay? That, if there was a definite article in Thanos ein Helagos, like the Jehovah's Witnesses are saying there should be, the text would not be the Word was God. The text would then be, and the God was the, the word. word. Right. So it changes the meaning 
of the verse, because then, if you say the word has all of the qualities of God, you are able to say that Jesus is God. But if you changed it to what the Jehovah's Witnesses are saying it should be, then it would say that only God is Jesus. And so by adding the definite article, it does not leave room for there to be the Trinity because you would then be saying that the Word was the God and there's no room to have Jesus and the Holy Spirit in there. It's amazing how, how much work um, these offshoots and cults do to try to twist Scripture. But um, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13. And verses number 14, because Dalton, I believe that this kind of summarizes um, uh, the Trinity in such a beautiful picture. I mean, just, just, just listen to this. It says in verses 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Three separate points of reference to each part of the Trinity, yet all in one. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. It was not either of those at certain parts in time. It was not, you know, Christ existed at a certain point, and then the Holy Spirit came in existence after he left. It was all three at the very same time, equal, triune, you know, all three of yeah. them. Empowered together. So. And so to bring this all to a head, as the book of John says in John 1, the Word was with God, meaning that He was equal to, had equity in, but yet was distinguishable from God, mm-hmm. and the Word was God. God, meaning that the Word has all of the qualities of God, right. not meaning that only God is Jesus. So from the first part of John to the last part of John giving his descriptive uh, account of the theology of God, there is a necessary implementation of the doctrine of the Trinity. No ifs, ands, or buts. And I'm so thankful that um, you know He is present with us as God the Father. He's the mediator between man and God as, as Christ the Son. And as Jesus lifted off the earth, He sent the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be with us, to guide us and lead us. And uh, it's without it, life would be altogether different. But Mm. I I appreciate you guys joining us on this um, bookshelf, uh, episode number three. I hope you're enjoying this. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will be back in two weeks' time with another episode. So stay tuned and share, like, and uh, subscribe. Make sure that you um, uh, uh, just send this to your friends. God bless you. Shalom. Shalom.